0: Joy of the Lord is my strength. Surely Caesar sang that song, He's the One That I Can Depend on, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to engage your attention upon the first book of the Bible, Genesis, the third chapter. talk about foreplay today. Somebody said, what? They said, well, we still got children in here. Don't get unglued. Don't get unglued. I, I did that to get your attention. Foreplay. There are four key plays to a winning marriage. Four key plays to a winning marriage. If you have your iPhone or Genesis, the third chapter, verse sixteen. Oh yeah, I know where some of y'all mind went when I said foreplay. I, I knew that. We're gonna bring you back in. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Y'all see that? In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be for thy husband. And and this is where we come unglued. And he shall have rule over thee. So in our English term of rule, we come unglued and say, uh-uh. But we need to understand what the word of the Lord is saying here. Right. And unto Adam he said, Because thou have hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, hallelujah, and has eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, This is what I said, God said, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. For thou, for thy sake, in sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall be, be uh, shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread until thou return unto the ground, for out of it hast thou taken. For dust thou art and unto dust shall thou return. And Adam called his wife name wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. So if you had any doubt who was the mother of all living, there it is right there. All of us are living here because of Eve. Unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord God made coats of skin and, and coated them. And the Lord did that. So if you mad about wearing clothes, the Lord did that. <laughs> and the Lord God said, Behold, the man is come as one of us to know good and evil. And now, as he put forth his hand and take also to the tree of life, And eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And my last verse is 24. So he drove out the man. And he placed at the east of the garden of uh, uh, Eden cherubim. These are angels. And a flaming sword. That don't sound good. Which every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So after he failed, he did not want him to eat the tree of life after he sinned. Because whatever he did to go against God, he and sister Eve, if they would have went back and ate of the tree of life, we'd have been doomed forever. And so we're in a new series of lessons for the month of August, keeping a winning marriage. Say it with me, keeping a winning marriage. I know when you first got married, you thought you had one... Nobody could tell you nothing. You felt like you had done more than won the lottery. Man, when you first got married, you couldn't get enough of each other. Are you still that way? There ain't too many people saying much. So I want to talk to you about the key plays to a winning marriage. Is that okay? Some marriages start out with, you know, uh, a, a, a big play and, you know, say, what's, what are big plays? These are big plays when y'all first get married. Some of you all spent like $40,000 when you got married, $25,000 and $10,000. They spent it so they can get married. They spent it on the marriage. They got, you know, they got the director. They got all of that stuff, decorated the place, fed everybody, got the limos. Yeah, I mean, they just, they just did it up. Big plays is when you got married, you got a new house. That's a big play. New cars and birth of kids. that's, That's big plays right there, okay? Vacations and graduations and financial success. All that is big plays. And now, you know, when you have children, you know that's a big play. You have just signed up to pay out money basically for the rest of your life. Can I get any witnesses in here? And see, they told us after 18. That, that I, don't, I don't know who told y'all that. I haven't seen that. I got some in 30s and 40s. And although we have... A big play, many of those marriages will fail. I've seen people spend a whole lot of money on them and they just fall down. But watch this. Big plays rarely win a football game either. You may have one big play of the game, but it will not win the game. And you know, we're in this season, football is getting started, I didn't know when we left here Friday night, when we went down the street there, they were playing a football game. And most men can relate to what I'm going to talk about today. And some of you ladies, y'all pretty good at it too. See, winning football teams string together enough first downs, if you understand football, a lot of small plays... To do two things. Are you with me? Move the ball into a position to score. And keep possession of the ball so that the other team doesn't get a chance to score. Y'all still with me now? now? My men woke up now. All right, you're talking my language today not Bishop. And over the course of this, you know. Uh, I want to give you four keys that make a winning marriage. Are you ready? There are four plays. All right. In within football, they give you four chances when you had a possession in on your offense in order to move the ball or score. Try to teach y'all ladies something because some of y'all don't like it. And how he why he at that at, at that screen? I'm trying to help you today. So when you this year, you're gonna be ready. So, there's four. They have four plays. They got, what, first down, second down, third down, and fourth down. Ask your husband after the service. He's going to tell you all this. He'll be glad to tell you. You're talking his language. He's going to be happy today. All right. So, uh, to simplify it for you today, I got four downs. First down, we're going to focus on the goal. Everybody say focus on the goal. Second down, we're going to talk about commitment. Say commitment. Commitment. Third down, we're going to talk about honor. Say honor. Honor. And uh, the fourth down, we're going to talk about teachability. Say teachability. Teachability. All right? So let's get busy. First down, focus on the goal. Most of us have fond memories of our wedding. And so... So much emphasis was put on the culture and the social blessing of the wedding and the marriage. Because everybody and all they kinfolk was congratulating you and you were so happy and it was just, man, that was the pinnacle of your life. And when you saw that girl walk down that aisle, Man, let me tell you something. Some of us began to cry. Some of us, our knees were shaking. Some of us, we felt something boiling on the inside. Whatever you felt, you felt it. And she was coming down the aisle smiling, nervous and everything else because she's getting ready to tie herself to the man of her life. There were vows and promises were made before family, friend, and God. And we sometimes lose focus of the fact that it is God that will give us the power that will allow us to keep those vows and promises. And so, how many of you know it's hard to keep focus. Can you remember your uh, wedding ceremony without watching the video tape? Some of y'all have forgot how everything went huh? It's easy to forget that it is God and not the photographer or the caterer that authors and blesses your union. Because some of you go back and look at them pictures. Oh, child, look at me. Oh, I was slimmer then. And you begin to reminisce and everything else. and you know. But it wasn't you that made that marriage. It was God that made that marriage. And no matter how you change over the years, it's going to be God that keeps you together. Now, you know, single folk just hold on with it because now see they said through all, you had five weeks we talked about singleness. So we're going to give you something so you have something to look forward to. I'm going to give you all the ammunition you need before you say I do. See, successful football teams will line up for first down with one clear goal. And that is to execute the plays as a single unit not flawlessly just successfully cuz you know as well as i do that some plays that are successful when you go back and look at the tape them jokers were holding but the ref didn't catch it so in your mind it was a successful play and so that's how we after in a marriage it might not be flawless but you still made a successful play and you perhaps may have caused the touchdown. And sometimes the play not, may not be flawless. You just got in the way of the defensive player long enough so the one that was running the ball got by and they say, hey, thank you. I ain't do nothing but get in the way. I got knocked back in the way. So look that with me in Matthew 19, verse 5. I'll speed up now. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not what? Separate. So the play that we are trying to execute is to become one. Say that with me. That's our play. We're going to execute the play to become one. A team divided against itself where they started fighting at each other, fighting on the sideline, fighting against one another, they're not going to win. You so upset at him, you're not going to block for him, and you so upset at him, I'm not running that way. You call the play, run through this hole. No, I'm going to make my own hole. Men and women tend to focus on different areas. All right? Now it's time to write. Women tend to focus on significance inside the home and family. But now we just read in Genesis. Don't throw nothing at me. Yeah. The home is cursed. Look at verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. That was not supposed to be. Because of the disobedience, the curse of childbearing and pain came along. You were supposed to be able to spit them jokers out with no pain. Y'all ain't ready. Y'all just not ready today. I just. So look what it says. Here's a part of the curse. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That was the part. Of what Sister Eve prophesied and passed down to y'all. And I can't get no amens in this Presbyterian church today. I know I just can't. Right? I just can't get no amens. Men tend to focus on significance outside the home. That's your career. But I come to tell you, the career is cursed. Look at verse 18. And it will produce thorns and thistles for you. Because thy wife gave you the fruit and you ate it, the curse came on you that it's going to be hard for you, brother. And you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you ret- you return to the ground until you die you're going to have thorns and thistles and since from it you were taken for the dust you are and to the dust you return until your last breath there will be thorns and thistles. Bishop, give us some hope. Give us some hope. You got to stay with me. Don't, don't run out now because you're going to be mad the whole time, all week long. But now watch this. Now you put 20 women in a room and you put their husbands, 20, all the 20 husbands, in another room and eavesdrop on each room, the women will talk about their families and the men will talk about their jobs. That's just how different we are. Because women were created to be nurturers, to care about the family, to make sure that everybody get what they need, and you know, and I don't care if Buffalo is just cutting up royally. She still want Buffalo to succeed. Well, why he got to be Buffalo? Well, what else y'all call him? Jumbo? Huh? Bowlegs? Oh, okay. I don't know. So... Just for exercise purposes. You, you got a little pen or something just for exercise purposes. I want you to take a pen and draw a squiggly line to the left. To the left, to the left, to the left. And just draw another squiggly line to the right, to the right, to the right. And when you draw that line to the left, say she chases kids. Now when you take that and you draw that line to the right, say he chases career. So you see what I'm trying to tell you? When you chase what's cursed, you draw away from each other. There's a drifting apart just the way married couples can drift apart. Now, a better focus come by acting like Christ. Now, here's another picture of that. If you would just draw that line, take those two lines where you went to the left and the right, and take those lines and draw it towards Jesus. It does not matter about your career. It does not matter about the family. Jesus is going to take care of both of them. Couldn't be a just straight line, Bishop. Well, you don't do, you don't live no straight life. I said a squiggly line because you're going to go through in life. Now, you're going to get there, but it may take you a little time to get there. Some of us, we go the long route. Then we get it. After the third marriage, we got it now. (laughs) Just look straight ahead. I ain't trying to talk about nobody. Just look straight ahead. So we're drawn closer to God. Watch this, two things happen. We're both drawn closer to God. And watch this, husband and wife are drawn closer to each other. That's why you need to stay in Christ. Because in Christ you are drawn closer to each other. I don't care how mad you get and how upset you get, you're going to stay with them and hang in there because it ain't really about you, it's about Christ. When you say I do, your assignment change. Your assignment now, I gave my word, Lord, That I am going to be in this relationship and I'm going to take care of this woman or I am going to submit to my husband and we're going to work together as two with me having my area where I love taking care of the house and nice stuff and where he's concerned about making sure everything is right. So we're going to come together and we're going to be as one and we're going to be so close together that it don't even look like whether I'm so caught up in the family and the children. It ain't going to look like he's so caught up in the career because we are so entwined with each other until we're concerned about each other until it doesn't even matter as long as the job is getting done. So how do we do this? Go to Matthew 7, verse 24. It said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and stream rose and, and the winds blew and beat against the house, that house. Yet it did not fail or fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down and streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. So we can build our marriages on solid ground by two things. And I want you to write this down. You can build your marriage on solid ground by two things. Here we are. Number one, by listening to God. Yes, yes. And number two, by doing what he says. Yes. It's that easy. It's that easy. I don't know why y'all having so much trouble in y'all relationship. It's just that easy. Oh, I know what it is. You got an ego problem and you listening to yourself and you think you know everything and you don't want to listen to God. And you definitely don't want to do what he said. You want to do what you want to do. And you didn't create marriage. God did. He wrote the blueprints on how you're supposed to be acting and how you're supposed to be governing yourself. So why not go back to the one that wrote the blueprints? You got to listen to God. And you got to do what he says. Now, brothers, write this down because I know y'all got this right here. Jesus never calls a bad play. People who want to follow God's game plan spend a lot of time with the playbook and the playbook is the Bible. But the last time you opened your Bible? You don't even know the plays. You can't figure out what's going on in your house because you don't know the plays. You don't know the devil did an audible, and you supposed to adjust to it, but you couldn't because you don't know the plays. That's mean you got to study the playbook. So when you see some time out, time out, time out, I saw something there that I uh, 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 I see something there. Come to the sideline, Jesus called you to the sideline. I said you need to watch this right over here. They get ready. get ready to come round your side. They get ready to come round your side. Now you better be ready. Now. I'm strong. I got this as strong as you are. If you don't see that little old fella pulling and gonna block you and blindside you, he gonna cut your legs from up under you. And here's another question. How do we talk to the coach? Look at Exodus 33 and 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of none, did not leave the tent. So how do you speak to God? How do you speak to the coach and how? Do you get advice from a friend? Simple. One three letter word. Ask. Rarely do we hear audible voice from God. It's more of a leading, a gut feeling. See, here, here it is. Write this down. The secret is to listen. And we got it bad. In America, in our society, in Georgia, in Houston County, in Warner Robins, uh, all over the world, we don't want to listen. And the secret here is, is to listen. Some of you come to this church and you have selected hearing. Selective listening. If I'm preaching something you like, you be ah I preach, bishop. I slow it down and come down your road. Oh Lord have mission. He meddling today. I just uh, I just come this week. We after that or something. No, 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 no. You need to eat the whole road. You heard the preacher say the other night, the other night eat, the, eat the cake at him, eat the cake. Yeah. Sometimes God will lead us to the right song, the right sermon, the right scripture, the right friend, and sometimes he will speak to our soul. Sometimes you're minding your own business and God is speaking to you. You ain't bothering nobody. God got you at a place where he could speak to your soul. And so you follow Jesus by doing two things. Right now what you're doing, coming here on Sundays, sitting and listening. See, here it is. This, I, I don't miss this. And I, and I put this in your notes for you. Worship is when we have an intimate experience with God. We just had an intimate uh, experience with God through music right you can have it through scripture you can have it through prayer and the message from his word a intimate experience with God I don't care who's not getting in the service it's about your experience I don't care who's looking around ain't paying attention it's about your experience I don't care if they rolling eyes at you and look at how they dancing. I'm going. You you watch it. I'm dancing more. It's my intimate experience with God. I don't just come to church just to see or look. I come to experience. See, I I don't mind you being online and everything else, but you can't experience like when you're alive. It's an experience that you have to receive on your own. And while you're sitting here, it's like the anointing of God, the Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and downloads something in your spirit while you're in this place where he has hollowed this place with his presence. And my God, you're at a place where he has your undivided attention. It's like ain't nobody in the room and he's talking directly to you. And they say when you know better you do better but i don't know some folks know better and still don't do better it's not in the knowing say that with me it's not in the knowing we got a lot of folk that got a whole bunch of knowledge all these degrees in here oh my god we could probably be a run around with all these degrees in here I'm telling you it's not about the knowledge that you got y'all done read five books this week and all that kind of stuff it's not about all that and that's good to have knowledge but it's when you apply the knowledge that you have it's when you do what you're supposed to do it's not enough to have it it's more than to do it you gotta do it man you gotta do it girl you gotta do it and Love that woman like Christ loved the church. you love her like Christ love the church you forget all about your knowledge you forget about all what you think you know and you will say God show me through your word how to get next to her because that's the one you join me to I can't worry about everybody else but I got to take care of business in my own house. this is the man that you assigned to me and I want to take care of my responsibility because I know that this is the one that you gave to me And I don't want to fail my assignment. I listen, listen. Next month, before the one years for first day, life, I'm still like I'm. It's like I'm getting renewed every day. Yes, I'm still learning stuff. Yes. I'm still trying stuff. See, some of you knuckleheads don't try stuff. All right, all right. You know what I'm saying? Uh-oh. That brick up there, that block up there. You got to start trying stuff. Yes, sir. If, it don't, if it if it, don't, if it if it, if it's not working, she'll tell you. That's right, that's right. She'll tell you, uh-uh, I don't like that. Uh-huh. But you got to try stuff. This oh yeah, you in there, buddy? bro uh-huh. You in there? Because in life, life never is a perfect life. You're going to have some falls, some scrapes, some cuts. When I see these little babies, they just run. And you know how when they first start walking with them hard shoes on, they be running and they can't turn, they walk, run right in the wall if you don't stop them. <laughs> and that's how we are with God. When we start getting them, start doing things, yeah, you're going to have some falls. Sometimes they fall down. You got to pick them back up, you know, and that's how we are. But we got to trust that God got us just like mom and daddy has us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. When God is telling you something and he's telling you to really treat your wife like delicate china, he's not trying to make a punk out of you. That don't mean you less than a man because you mushy, mushy with your wife. Amen. You, oh, yeah. you want to be all brutus and everything, take up boxing. Yeah. <laughs> or go in the ring, get in the ring with somebody. But you're supposed to handle her with tender, loving care. Yeah. Good teaching, good teaching. You got it mixed up. Uh-huh, I'm going to make her tough. She ain't going to be tough like you. With your rough self. Got crust on your elbow, crust on your feet. She put lotion on her arms and feet. You'll walk out the house looking like you've been in powder. Scales everywhere. You don't care. But she said, Oh no, I got no, I gotta put some on my legs. Did I put some on my legs? Right? She ain't pulled be like you. We're different. That's our problem. You don't ever try to force your wife to become you. And you don't force your husband to become you. He different from you, girl. Amen. He ain't supposed to do it, he do it the man way. You know your clean is not his clean. But appreciate for at least trying. See, you're doing it the feminine way, he's doing it the masculine way. Amen. If I invite somebody to dinner, I might put out paper plates. My wife invites somebody to dinner, you know it's gonna be laid. We different. I'm thinking all they're doing is coming to eat anyway. And I don't feel like washing no dishes. But she said, uh uh, we got to treat these people like they're kings and queens. Cause you know why? That's how she wants to be treated. And she's trying to give you an example of how to treat her, but you and your knucklehead self. You're too grown, you don't know nobody can't tell you nothing. And look like I've been preaching here so long until my God, my nose done got bigger. And you still ain't listening to me. What's the matter, you man? I'm waiting for one day that the women will come and say, Bishop, now I want to just appreciate you because my man of God is listening and he's doing the teaching that is being taught. That will make me feel like I just, you know, received $50,000. Just for you to just tell me that. So marriage, your marriage is a place for intimacy. And you got to put Sundays in there too. Are you following me? When husband and wife go to different churches, usually it brings division. I've never seen where it brought unity in a home when husband and wife go to different churches. I've never seen it. Never seen There's going to be something missing. Now, you say, ooh, we're doing good. It's nice and all that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That is not how it's designed. Now, if you can't come together in unity on God and church family, Houston, we got a problem. And then let's not just talk about money. Everybody say money. 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 money, 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 money. Second Peter two and fourteen says, "With eyes full of adultery, they never stop. They never stop sinning. My, my. If your eyes is full of adultery, you will never stop sinning." They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and accuse brute. I mean, greed will tackle marriages as fast as infidelity. You cannot have a marriage where you are just caught up in greed. There are two main reasons married couples don't tithe. Y'all know that, right? Number one, they don't believe that they can live well on ninety percent. See, God can heal the sick, He can raise the dead, He can, you know, cleanse the sinner, He can control the world, but He can't stretch that dollar. And number two, I reason why you know uh, main reason why couples don't tithe is that people don't know. Where their money goes. See, they mess it up so bad, and don't budget it. And by the time it's time to give something to God, they don't know where it is. Y'all got quiet when I start talking about that money, cause it sure enough ain't, ain't going to me and First Lady lavish uh, lifestyle. You, you, you in charge of that. And, and you should be sitting down saying, let's strategize. And let's see how we can do this. Because when you give here, your money go to the ministry. 100 bucks, we'll buy $100 Dollars worth of ministry. You know, some people come in and throw that little 5 or $10, you know, uh, in the plate and think that, you know, they tithe. Gave my tithe today. Put $5 in there. But you make 5000 a month. You do the math. You do the math. Let me see if I, I got to scratch my head off of this. Now your church is fighting a war. Look down here will tell you about it. your church is fighting a war. <laughs> now what you mean by that bishop? People are getting divorced. Folks are caught up in gambling. People have addictions. People caught up in pornography. Poverty everywhere, crime, lies, hate all kinds of things going on in the world and we fight the war and all you want to do is put a little five dollars in there when you know that you know God has been greater than you than that salvation is free but ministry costs we drop a million dollar missile on cabal and not even bat an eye The other day, they had a missile that they had to just drop off because they couldn't carry a million dollars wasted of your taxes. Huh? And you come, and the church is at war and all this stuff we got to fight against that's coming at you and us? Your little change and don't even have a second thought, and we really at war. Let me move on. I done quiet the whole house. <laughs> I want to ask you a question Do you agree if you and your spouse grow closer to Christ, it will benefit your marriage? Yeah. Uh, it, it don't tell me, but I want you to write down why you believe that. You got you taking notes right, right there. And then I want you to list two things that you and your spouse can do together to focus on Christ. Okay, that's your homework. Let's go to second down. I might not get to build a couple of downs because second down is commitment. Everybody say commitment. Amen. Now commitment to the right things make a marriage safe. Do you agree to that? Amen. So you got I'm talking about commitment to each other, commitment in the marriage. Commitment in the home. So commitment to the right things make a marriage safe. So you got to be committed to each other. You cannot be committed to your boys. And you cannot be committed to sports. And not be committed to your wife. Now you'll study sports and have all of the stats and you know how many yardage he got last year. You'll know how many tackles he made. You'll know how many games they won and you won't keep stats on your wife. You need to keep stats on your wife until you know her cycle. Boy, I got the hush ministry uh, first lady today. We got the stats on everything else and don't have the stats on our spouses. Something wrong with that. How can you have so much knowledge about one thing and don't know nothing about her or him? You know the first thing she's gonna say, you don't you don't you don't you don't you don't, you don't care about me. You're not you're not watching me, you're not studying me. And this is why these women will say this here. You say, "Well, you know, if you want me, this is man. Well, you, if you know if you want me to do something, you ought to tell me." And then she'll say, "If you don't know by now, I ain't gonna tell you nothing." Have y'all heard that? Have y'all heard that? Some of y'all been guilty of saying that. You know why she's saying that? She really wanna tell you, but what she's trying to tell you is that you haven't studied her. I know what my wife like and don't like, and I'm not going to force her to like something that she don't like because I like it. That's detrimental to me. That's, that's goose on my part. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I feed that area that makes her become a better person to me. See, the Bible says it's profitable for me. When I treat her right, it's profitable for me. And last time I checked, I love me some me. So if it's profitable for me, I'm going to do everything that, you know, so what she do, if she respond, it's profitable for me. So when I come in here, you all always see me smiling and happy and dancing and everything. That's because I'm, I'm getting the benefits. From my labor. Because it is work. Are you following me? So this commitment thing, this second down, is a must. Are you following me? See, if you're committed to getting your way, your agenda, your dreams, yourself, you're in deep weeds. You're in deep kimchi, as they used to say. You're in you know, hot water when it's all about you. That's how relationships don't make it because it's all about one side. Hallelujah. And here's the thing this is a no no. I would do it if you would do Uh, See, that's uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh. See, when people turn the light on you, you don't go getting on the defense. Oh huh I remember you did this and I remember. No, no, it ain't about what the other person. You need to check yourself. I'm not responsible for how First Lady is supposed to be. I'm responsible for Harvey. Are y'all following me? So if she don't never do right, I'm bound by God to do right. Well, that's kind of hard. He didn't say it was going to be easy. See, that's your problem. You're always looking for easy stuff. Hard stuff make you. Appreciate. Because you know what it took for you to get there and to get that. Either stuff, you don't vary it. You just kick it to the side. I can get some more. I can get another one. That's why people, you know, that's how they they feel like they're trading in cars. Yeah, this is my seventh wife. You know, I traded her in for, you know, 1991. And I traded this one in right here for 2003. And I traded it. What? (laughs) You're supposed to take the one that God gives you. And cherish her and nourish her. Y'all know what that mean, right? You first got that new car. You was uh, nourishing and cherishing. You were wax on and wax off. You were washing it. You were parking it way out so nobody won't hit the door. You were doing all of that. So parking it under the garage. I don't know, park my car on no tree. Uh-uh, you can't get in here with that sandwich. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. Stay outside until you finish. You are nourishing and cherishing that car, but you can't nourish and cherish your wife. You better get saved. You just better get saved. That's all I got to say. You just need to get saved. Mother, they ain't saved. They ain't got the hold go. <laughs> all right, okay, okay, okay. So commitment is nourished by spending time deal. Say that with me. Commitment. Commitment. It's, nourished it's nourished by spending time together. Now if you'll sit beside your spouse today say we need to spend more time together. We need to spend more time. Together. Now I'm finna say something. I'm finna say something. I'm finna say something. It's not quality time that matters. It's just time. You don't have to spend a thousand at a nineteen percent APR on a extravagant vacation to spend quality time. You can do a staycation and just spending time with your spouse. NFL, get ready to come on. And we'll go and we'll watch the previews. We'll watch the halftime. And then if they go in overtime, we're going to sit right there. And before we know it, we've been in that front of the television three hours plus And didn't miss a beat. Just long enough to go get us something out the refrigerator. We can. Oh, man. Yeah. I could have caught that. Man, you can't catch a cold, butt naked in Alaska. I could have caught that pass. You know, we say all kinds of crazy stuff. How, how did you miss that tackle? How did you miss? I could have ran through that hole. Man, you'll spend time with that television and right there, man, what you talking about? And then somebody asks for five minutes of your time. Let me know when you're going to talk. i let you know. Four weeks done passed by. You still ain't letting them know. <laughs> you know why some of us don't want to communicate and don't want to talk? It's because we don't want to spend meaningful time with each other because we're afraid of what's going to come out of it. See, talk sometimes is going to show you your flaws. Talk sometimes is like looking in a mirror. And there are going to be some things that said that it might be a little, you know, a little painful, but it's the truth. And the truth is here to make you free. Don't you want to be free in your relationship? I don't want to be in bondage in a relationship. It's like, you know, somebody at church, you know, y'all go to the same church, but you're in bondage because you don't know what to say. You see them, you're like, hey. And, you know, you don't, you just, you know, you don't really want to talk to them because, you know, there's some bondage going on there that, you know, you know what they did to you and you say you ain't having it or whatever like that. So, you just, you know, and sometimes you act like you don't really see them and you kind of speed up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? I don't want nothing to do with them. You, you understand what I'm saying? God don't want us like that. God don't want us like that. How in the world can you live in the same house and not speak for weeks at a time? How you going to do how you do that? And then you say, "Oh, I just love Jesus." I love Jesus, he's my friend, I love him so much, and you ain't talked to Jesus since last week, and how can you say you love Jesus, and you don't even speak to your brothers and sisters. Amen. And last time I checked, your husband, wife—that's your brother and sister in the Lord. Amen. You got a funny way of showing love. Talk is cheap a lot of times. Oh, you—you you know what it is. I, you know, and, and you know, I'm not gonna stay alone. But look at our government look at our politicians all them smart people up there and they can't figure out how to do some of this stuff that need to be done there gotta be an answer to the problems that we have in america Amen. and you got all those degrees and all those smart people if you mean to tell me that nobody can come up with a solution on how all of us can have good health care. They do it in other countries. All oh, these smart people. All of folks there say that they love God. They read the Bible. And you gonna try to pass laws that go against God's law? I ain't buying it. I'm not buying it. And so, this is what you got to do, brothers. I done laid it on your feet. You 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 got to turn the TV off. You got to put down the paper. Girls, you got to get off the phone. Hallelujah and you got to talk. You got to get along and spend some time together. Do y'all remember the vows that you made? I take thee to be my wedded, whatever, to be my husband, to be my wife, and having a whole from this day forward, and for better and for worse, for sickness and health, for richer and poor, to love and to cherish until death do us part. God is my witness. I give you my promise. you either going to keep your vows or not. You swore to God to, that you would, you know, and you would, you would keep your vows. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this is a big deal. Let well, nobody tell you, this is a big deal. You gave your vows. And you say, I don't care if you get sick. I don't care how bad it get. Girl, you lose all your hair. I'm going to be right here if he lose all his (laughs) teeth you swore to God that you would and this is a big deal ladies and gentlemen you got to have the right attitude. I'm going to keep my promise. Let me help you. Write it down. You gotta protect your marriage. Say that with me. I gotta protect my marriage. On a scale of one to ten, ten being perfect, rate your gender attitude about your marriage. Are you being realistic? about your relationship? Would your, your spouse agree with your assessment if you showed it to him? How can you improve your attitude? Because see, our, some of our attitude, is, it just stinks. Our attitude is skunkeriffous. You all skunked out. You just stink. Say, is that an addiction? No, he just made that one up, baby. I want to ask you something. I'm just having just talk. We're just talking, right? Can you schedule out a time this week? That you will spend time with your children and you will spend time with your wife. That's all. Don't worry about whether it's being quality or quantity. Just time. Just time. Hmm? Just time. Our third down, which is a good one, is honor. Say that with me, honor. Love that keeps marriages together gives honor in all four domains of life. I like this. Say this with me. Emotional, intellectual, physical, and spiritual. Love her is emotional. Respect him is intellectual honor. Did you get it? Love her is emotional. Women won't love, men won't respect. I know Aretha said, oh, she wants some uh, R-E-S. What what is it? That's it, Uh uh-huh. R-E-C-T. E-C-T. But really, if you read it in the Bible, men won't respect. Women won't love. That's why women, they give things because they want love. Men give stuff because of respect. Ephesians 5 and 21 says, Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. So successful marriages are successful because both parties meet the needs of their spouse. Men, ladies and gentlemen, you young people who are not married yet, get note of this. Is that if you want a successful marriage, you got to learn the needs of your spouse. Ask the people over the road, do you know the needs of your spouse? You ain't got to answer them, but just ask them. What each party needs or what the needs are. Now, wives, the wives... Listen to me, guys. Wives need care for her. Her emotional honor is tied for your care for her. That's an emotional need. You caring. The last thing she want to hear is, I don't care. Come on now, if you've been guilty of it. Lord, forgive me. She needs to know she's loved. You got to tell her every day, take out the dinner, buy her flowers, see if you like them. She She'll like flowers, buy some candy. She don't need no candy, buy something else. <laughs> Turn off the game on the radio. On that drive to grandma's house. And just talk to her. She needs her emotional needs fulfilled. And how you do that is showing her that you care. Now, ladies, gals, husbands need respect from his babe. Care for his intellectual honor. It sounds like, you know, ego stroking, and, and not a bad idea. But honoring intellectual is, 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 is different. See, write this down. Honoring intellectually means to respect his intentions, ideas, decisions as they work to provide for the family. Well, I, he, he just don't, he ain't got it all together. You don't either. But I need you to respect his intentions and his ideas. When he brings his intentions and his ideas, don't just shoot them down before he gets started. Let him finish. Let him talk it out. And then you can call him a goose after that. But I'm just saying... You know, uh, just let him get it out. Respect his intentions and his ideas and his decisions. That helps him in his need. You honor him in his intellectual needs. Because you already know that you are more emotional and feeling oriented. And men are more intellectual and, you know, uh, fix-it oriented. So when you tell him your problem, he's trying to find a way to fix it. When he tells you, you know, you tell him your problem and he tells you, you know, you tell him he'll try to find a a way to fix it. But when when you're telling him your problems... You ain't trying to, you don't care about no faith. You just want him to just feel what you're saying. See, before you get to talk, no, 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 no. I got to get you to feel. See, you don't feel it. You ain't feeling what I'm saying. You're not not feeling it. See, that's why you just want me to just do this, do this. No, see, you don't feel what I'm saying. And you sitting there saying, now, run that by me again. I don't, if I fix it, then we have to, no, I need you to just sit here, walk it through Let's come up with some possibilities. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. And you just all gone hold. Let's just go for it straight. Boom. It's, it's done. But sometimes you got to be patient. Amen? See, Adam and Eve are great case studies in honor. Uh, Genesis 2 and 2 and 3. The man said that this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Right? And she shall be called what? For she was taken out of. For this reason the man shall leave his. And. And they shall be united to be his. And they shall become one. And the man and his wife or both. You wanted to say that part, didn't you? And they felt no. So Adam and Eve's marriage started just like yours, in love. They started just like your marriage, in love. And in chapter 3, Eve falls as a prey to the serpent. And she breaks dad's only rule. When God saw what had happened... He went looking for the responsible parties. Look at in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as they were was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 said, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? The man was responsible in God's eyes. That's a big deal. You are responsible in God's eyes. Quit trying to hide from your wife. It ain't about her. You are responsible in God's eyes. God gave you the responsibility. Verse 12 tells us, it tells them in in chapter 3, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree And I ate it. Now, Adam blamed his wife. Ouch. Two big mistakes. Watch this. Don't miss it. Number one, he blamed God for giving him a crummy wife. Look at it he said the wife you gave me he's blaming almighty God who took the time out to form and fashion this woman on the earth because he didn't have nobody and he was walking all by himself and he put him to sleep and took out a rib and formed and fashioned her and woke him up the first anesthesia ever happened when he put him to sleep and put him on the operating table and when he woke up and he saw that beautiful figure he said whoa oh man then he turned around and said it's that woman you gave me how many men are still saying it's that woman you gave me you better put your finger down and stop blaming God God gave you assignment you just didn't complete your assignment. I really believe if Adam would have took hold and took charge and said, oh, what you been doing, talking to Satan, the devil is a liar. But knock that thing out of her hand and say, let's go before God. God, she didn't mean no harm. She repent right now. God would have said, hey, that's how I wanted you to lead, man. We're so fascinated about their figures. We're so fascinated about their hair. We're so fascinated about their voice, their hips, their lips, their thing, fingertips. We're so fascinated about how they walk. And we're so fascinated about all that stuff. But God said, I gave you assignment. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Lord. And number two, this is one of the worst mistakes he did. Adam gave Eve reason to doubt his love for her. He forgot all about her and blamed God for giving him her. So she's now saying, you're saying I'm not good enough for you to love me? You gonna push me aside and kick me to the curve like that? Whew. And man has been doing that ever since. You don't do that to the one that you know that God puts you together. And not only that, you can't blame God anyway, because God or nobody else twist your arm to say, I will, I do. You made the commitment. You gave your word. You came before God and said, God, I give you my word that I'm going to connect to this and we're going to become one and that's it. Once you become one, it's sealed. In other words, it's supposed to be sealed that you never become two again. (laughs) Adam did that to his wife and women been hurting ever since been hurting ever since oh I ain't gonna be able to finish this I'm gonna have to come back Oh. You don't understand. Honor is a big thing. When we look at sexuality and physical honor, if you're looking at someone else and thinking about being naked with that somebody that's not you're not married to, stop it. That's shameful to the marriage. That's not yours. You are out of bounds. We don't ever need to discuss, and, and, and I want to just kind of get a little real with you because we counsel people a lot. You don't have to discuss our sexual life with anyone other than our spouse and God. On rare occasions, a clinical trained therapist who believe God can help bring healing. But when it comes to your intimacy, your closeness, your spouse and God are the people that you should go to. Not your hairdresser. Not your boss, not your coworker, not your parents, not Oprah. God knows not Oprah. God gave sex to you and your spouse to enjoy privately. That's sexual honor. You're going to... I can't say what i want to say. I'm going to hush on. I'm going to leave that alone. All right, spiritual honoring. First Peter 1 and 3. And I'm going to end with this. Spiritual honor. Say it with me, spiritual honor. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word they may be worn over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, y'all see that? Because you are acting right. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braiding hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You shouldn't be worried about what a folk think anyway. You should be concerned about what God thinks. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hopes in God used to make themselves beautiful. Can you truly say your wife is beautiful according to that scripture? This our beauty will fade. But that's not the only thing that make you beautiful. You don't spend a lot of money on that body. But it's what you have on the inside. He said that used to make them, their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. I can see how in these verses causes a problem with women who don't believe in God, you know, don't accept Jesus Christ for their sins, and don't believe in resurrection, don't believe in the life forever. You know, she, she, she must die to her own agenda. And if you know the Lord, verses 1 through 5, are, you know, uh, it's not a license for someone to walk on you. It's simply God instructions to you, submission isn't a assembly for a doormat. Submission is only strength under control. Man, any wife in their home can set that whole house ablaze and walk off. I could tear this house down. But God said, no, you bring all of that. Under control. That strength under control. And you make this house what it should be. Verse 7 is just, you know, that so, but when you look at it, he so says, husband, in the same way. is like enli- verse 7 not a license for you to nag either. It's God's, you know, instructions for the husband. It says, Husband, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them what? with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayer. Men, your wives is God's little girl. If you mistreat her, Big Daddy has no time for you. You are married to God's little girl. And he say your prayers will be hindered if you don't treat her right. Doing all that praying and God saying he ain't a thing. You got to speak blessings to her. You got to speak blessings to your home. So many of us, we spread spread anger, we spread jealousy, we spread criticism. We spread a curse instead of a blessing. Watch how you talk around your house. I'm talking about married and single people. Are you spreading curses around your house or are you spreading blessings? All y'all in here bad. You always been bad. You always going to be bad. What is that saying? You got to change that. You will be a blessed. Come here. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that. You got to say, you will be good. Good is in you. Good going to come out of you. Good is around you. You will be a good child. You got to change the way you talk. My husband will be the man of God. That God has called him. My wife is going to be the sweetest woman I know. Are you following me? Men, bless your home and don't leave the blessing to the next guy. It's your job. She done come here and got all this good teaching here, and you done put the little bit you got and put in, and then you let her go, and then somebody reap all the benefits. The devil is alive. I'm going to work on this woman here, and then somebody just jump in and just reap all the benefits. You with me? Hallelujah. I got one with me. Hallelujah. And they say, I've been doggone if I'm going to do all this work, and then somebody just going to jump in and say, oh, thank you. Uh Uh-uh. Uh Uh-uh. It don't work like that. Amen. Amen? Amen? Ladies, what possible reason could you have for not wanting your husband to be a godly leader in your home? What possible reason? You fighting over titles? I'm more anointed than you. I'm preached better than you. You Listen, you say it. It's not even about that. It's not even about that. God trying to work something for you to work together as one. Yeah. Give me two minutes. The fourth down is Billy. I hear you first. In, in football, your fourth down is the last play before the other team gets the ball back. It's do or die time. If your marriage faces fourth down, here's some plays that you need to run. Seek advice. Not just from anybody. Say that with me. Seek advice. advice. You got to find a couple in your church or the church next door somewhere because you can trust them to keep confident. You know. You know you're on your first mar- your first marriage. You know what I'm saying. You you you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> why why do people get advice? And, and I'm not. I don't mean no disrespect. From from divorced friends. You 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 wouldn't you wouldn't get a guy with three DUIs wrapped his car around three trees to teach your kids how to drive. You know, they have celebrated at least ten more wedding anniversaries than you do. Uh, they have seen at least one fourth down play themselves another another area you can seek is you can seek out your pastor that give you direction on which way you can go another thing you could do is seek out a mentor sometimes your pastor will choose couples and things of that nature that can help you but that's what you can do Matthew 18 and 15 says, if your brother sin against you, go and show him his fault. And just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others alone so that every matter may be established by the testimony of what? Two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you were a pagan or a tax collector. Talk to each other first and then go to the next level. Lawyers are not mediators. I'm sorry to tell you. They want you to win. Lawyers are advocates. But now when you go to your pastor, your pastors are mediators. Mediators want both to win. They want to see both of you all. Are you following me? So I heard a couple say, we got counseling. <laughs> Sounds like you fixed a car. <laughs> we got counseling. Listen to me. Everything you done heard, don't miss this. You don't get counseling. You do counseling. I can tell you all day long, I give you all of the good ideas, all the things me and First Lady did and what we didn't do and how we mess up. You don't have to go around that route, this, and nothing, another. You don't get counseling, you do it. When you give it to me, I go home and I do it. All these years you've been coming to this church and I've been giving you good counseling from this, from where I am right now. And you, you say, well, that was good, but you didn't do it. You got it? you leave like, oh, I got that. But you didn't do it? I don't get counseling. I do counseling. (laughs) Are y'all ready to do counseling? you. You know, it's one thing that you mess up. And you know pride will stop you from picking up your own mess. There are a lot of people that have messed up, but they don't want to pick up their own mess. If you spill the milk in the house, and your, car, your your wife out there changing the oil in your car, you're supposed to clean up the milk. Because if you don't, it's going to stink up the whole house. Are you following me? Fourth down, you gotta be teachable. You gotta be. Te- you gotta realize that there's a God, and you are not. You are not God. You gotta give your marriage your all, and don't stop short. You got to be teachable. That's all I'm saying today. There's four downs. A, I don't want you to say how. Oh, there was some good nuggets. Oh, that was that was good. Oh, that was good. Ooh, I wrote these down because I'm giving this to another couple. And that's good. Give this to another couple. You might be single here. I'm going to give it to my friend that going through. And these nuggets, these first, second, third, and fourth down, they need all of this. But don't just leave out of here saying that it was good. I got some good counseling from the word today. I want you to do counseling. You got it? Send it with me. I'm going to do counseling. Everybody's standing on their feet. I want you to have a marital bliss. I want you to start all over again. Hallelujah. All that you thought that was good just just ball it all up and throw it in the trash start afresh start afresh start being that woman of god that you know you need to be start being that man of god that you know you need to be watch and see your stock go up your value go up your respect will